Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Fantasy Football Weekly, a production of iHeartRadio. Time now for Fantasy Football Weekly from iHeartRadio, your weekly source for the nation's best fantasy football advice, speculation, and whatever stupid stuff they decide to drop into the show. Now here's your host, Paul Charchian. Welcome to Fantasy Football Weekly. I am Paul Charchian. I have two co-hosts today. As usual, Brian Johnson. Hey, Brian. Yeah, hey, what's up? No one cares about me. Nobody cares. Not Not today. No. Because we've got, uh, is this your second time on the show, Thor? Thor Nystrom. I think so. Do you want to give an official affiliation, or are you just Thor Nystrom? We can go with Thor Nystrom, but I I work for Fantasy Pros, but you just call me Thor. All right. Either way works. Uh, We're really glad to have you here, because we spend our fall as totally immersed in the NFL, and then we try to play catch-up on the college guys in February, March, April. You do this all year round. You know so much more than we do, so perfect to bring you in to talk about all of the players that went after round one. Last week's show, we did round one players. We recorded on Friday, so we had all the Thursday stuff. I want to talk about the fantasy players who matter most that went two through seven. Yeah, this was, was going to re- require a lot of prep. But we're like, let's just get Thor. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't have to do anything. I can just go make Thor and be the genius. If you're to talk rookies, it's yes. Thor Nystrom. Exactly. So we are hooked up today. Yes. Uh, I want to start the quarterback position. We'll hit all the. We'll hit quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. Again, we're not doing everybody because you can't. That would be an enormously long, boring show. We're going to hit on the players who have the greatest chance of making some reasonably close-term impact. So let's start at wide receiver, uh, sorry, quarterback. And the first quarterback taken after the first round was Will Levis, who surprisingly fell out of the first round, ends up at Tennessee as the possible heir apparent to Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, Will Levis, he's going to start number three on the depth chart. We've, we've already seen that. And there's a couple different things with his game that he needs to fix. The biggest one and the one that I'm most concerned about, it's the lack of pocket presence. Mm-hmm. He doesn't sense the pass rushers. That's something that they're going to use that developmental year to try to fix with him. We'll see if they they're end up able, being able to do that. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to take that year. I don't expect to see him on the field in 2023. All right, that's critical for redraft. We don't think Will Levis plays this year. But Tannehill's on the last year of his deal. Yeah. Do you believe Will Levis is the probable starter for Tennessee next year? Yeah, in 2024, that's sort of what they're indicating. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know. You're gonna have to see what you got in him th- this coming season. But yeah, the, the the thing that he has to fix, it's the exact same thing that I use to pick out quarterback bus. Yeah, it's the thing that Zach Wilson lacked. It's the thing that Drew Locke lacked. They haven't been able to fix it yet. Can you fix it with Will Levis? If you do, he's going to be a good quarterback, but that's a long bridge to get there. I'm going to disagree a little. I think there's a chance we see him on the field this year. Really? Because 
it's no longer. It used to be the Titans division, the AFC South. Like they trounced, they would trounce the Jaguars, the Texans, and who am I forgetting? Colts. The Colts, who in recent history. But now it's the Jaguars division, and if you know the Titans go belly up, come mid late November, get Levis yep, out they, there. Well, they've they, not. They effectively benched Ryan Tannehill last year. So mm-hmm. you know that scenario is so, out there. All right, but, let's move on to Hendon Hooker, the other, uh, the other, the other quarterback that was often mocked into the first round, but fell all the way to the third round. He goes to Detroit. What's who the are getting mocked for taking Hendon Hooker? Uh, <laughs> a little bit, but you know, at that point, the value is pretty good. Um, but people and and a year ago at this time, nobody believed that Jared Goff was the quarterback of the future. Had a nice season, and now people are more content there. But what are your thoughts? Again, not some, not this year for Hendon Hooker, but long term dynasty yeah, value, Thor. It's it's funny because all spring I railed against this idea of Hendon Hooker as a first round pick, but it's like Brian was mentioning where he fell to the Lions in the draft. That's juice worth the squeeze in the yeah. slot. That's right around where I had him ranked on my big board. He's he's an older prospect coming in. Obviously, he's coming off the knee injury, so you're not going to get any utility there from him as a rookie. Right. But the Lions are clearly looking at him as a guy that they could potentially uh, be the the heir apparent to Jared Goff. You see, when he comes back, the thing he has to fix. Well, it's, it's not even fixed. It's just something we've literally never seen before. Tennessee offense. It's not just that the field is cleaved in half for you. It's that he could square his shoulders and his entire body to the side of the field that the mm-hmm. play is designed to go to. We have never seen. Hennon Hooker go to the other side of the field. He predominantly threw to his first read. He knew what side of the field he was going to. Yep. And when he has moved off of his spot, he doesn't throw ever. I think it was 155 times last two seasons he was moved off his spot. In those instances, he completed seven passes. That's terrible. That is terrible. So he has to learn how to process while he's on the move. That stuff we just haven't seen before. Can they teach him that stuff during this injury uh, redshirt season that's coming up? That, that will inform whether he is their quarterback of the future. If something were to happen to Goff injury-wise, not that he's injury-prone or anything, uh, Hooker right now is second on their depth chart. Do you th- is he... Would he be ready, injury-wise, to, to play? I don't think so. I would be surprised if he's back and active before November. Uh, that's you know that's when mm-hmm. he suffered the injury, but maybe he could come back by October. But why would you want to throw him to the Wolves when he has never done these things that NFL offense is going to ask him to do? Well, you throw him to the Wolves so you wouldn't have to play Nate Sudfield or Sudfeld or <laughs> Adrian Martinez. Oh, Adrian, yeah, Kansas State Wildcats. Well, of course um, you would know that. <laughs> last thing I'll mention on Hooker and him possibly passing Goff, we act like Jared Goff's got one foot in the grave. He's 28. Mm. If Jared Goff's still got potentially like a decade of service ahead of him. Hendon Hooker, I, no interest even in Dynasty for me. Yeah, not for me either, I don't think. And the Lions love Jared Goff more than any other organization. Like, they're higher on him for whatever reason. So, yeah, I, I would expect Goff to be the starter there for a couple more years. So, I don't, Hooker, Hooker's only three years younger. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> wow. that's, that's the point. Uh, Saints took the next quarterback off the board. I don't think Jake Hayner is worth spending much time on. But I, I admittedly have never even heard of the guy, but uh, I know Thor has. Thor, but, get us up yeah. to speed on on Jake Hayner. Yeah, he was really good the last couple of years for Fresno State. He couldn't get on the field early in his career with Washington, so that's where he had transferred. And he did he did really, really good. He also had a great senior ball. And he did great on that S2 test, which yeah. we know the NFL cares about uh, quite a bit now. It's surpassed the wonder, like whatnot. So you have all that stuff. He reminds you a little bit of Brock Purdy from the previous process, where the things that he lacks is stuff he can't do anything about. Mm-hmm. The frame, uh, just sort of mediocre athletes. 
and then they have the wet noodle arms, but they process the field really quickly. They take profits. They don't make mistakes with the ball. Both those guys are leaders. He's going to run your offense for you if he ever gets out there. So, I mean, I could see him down the road uh, coming in if, if he mm-hmm. has to be a caretaker, being okay with that. Yeah, uh, but Carr just signed a five, four, five-year deal, so I, it feels like Hayner to me is, is just going to be a backup. Hey, Carr yeah, and Hayner, so. both from Fresno State, though. That's yeah, right. That's true. Yeah. yeah. All right. So that, that's what I can add to this Some kind of advantages to that. The next quarterback taken was Stetson Bennett. Um, he ends up going to the Rams. I, there's Stafford. We didn't even know if Stafford was going to play this year, right? So he was so close to thinking about retiring. Another bad year for him or another injury-filled year. That could be it for Stafford. Does Stetson Bennett have any game at the NFL level? Uh, so I, I compare him to Ian Buck. You know, it's, it's just so a, no. I, I don't think so. Not not for me. I mean, he can process the field a little bit, but yeah, I mean, you, you lack the frame even more than Jay Kaner does, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know if he processes as well as Jay Kaner does on the field. I, I thought that was a really weird pick in round four. All right, the last quarterback I want to talk about, also round four guy, were the Raiders taking uh, Aiden O'Connell. He, I mentioned this only because Garoppolo so wobbly is the starter. This could be a one-and-done experiment with Garoppolo. In fact, I'm guessing it will be a one-and-done experiment. I think the Raiders will be at near the top of the draft order and taking another quarterback at this time next year. Yeah, they definitely could be. O'Connell, I, I like his pocket game enough. Uh, he goes through the progressions for sure. He did for Jeff Brom's offense at Purdue. Mm-hmm. He's not athletic, though, and his he has arm limitations as well, so he's not going to hurt the defense down the field. But he does give you that short and intermediate area accuracy. But, yeah, I, I don't know if he has the physical skills to be a long-term starter in the NFL. I'm pulling for uh, fourth stringer Chase Garbers uh, on the Raiders depth chart, just so we can say it's Garbers. Garbers time? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like it. Let's go to the running backs. uh, We already talked about the day one running backs, so let's go to the day two running backs and beyond, beginning with the shocking pick, not by talent, but by location, of Zach Charbonnet. (laughs) Did not see Seattle as a landing spot here. I didn't either. Yeah, I love Zach Charbonnet. Zach Charbonnet was actually my number two rated running back, just slightly ahead of Jameer Gibbs. So, mm-hmm. I, like, I'm not going to disagree with the talent at all, but the landing spot, yeah, was super weird. And you take Kenneth Walker, the Brown two the year before, now you take Charbonnet. They explained it after the pick of saying, like, oh, we needed to improve our screen game. And I do agree that Zach Charbonnet was a super underrated receiver. He averaged nearly 10 yards after the catch in college. But you're not just going to draft a guy to be a screen game guy. No, not in the second round. It's it's real weird. They obviously like Charbonnet's game. I really like Charbonnet's game, too. So I, I get it on that front. But how is that going to work out with him and Kenneth Walker at the start? Yeah, Ta- for fantasy, it's a nightmare. You could, it was, it you could hear the collective groan across the country when Charbonnet got picked. Absolutely. The <laughs> Kenneth Walker dynasty owner is like, oh, you're kidding me. And, Char- and Charbonnet, whoever had already had their draft or was planning on drafting him at the potential of being a lead back, that seems like the most platoony platoon there's going to be thousand percent. in the NFL right now. Thousand. I was and hoping he was going to go to the Bears screen game. the next pick. Kenny oh, McIntosh, oh. a running back they took in the seventh round. Granted, not a lot of draft capital there, but he's like a receiving yeah, he's specialist. he's the screen guy. Yeah, so, that's the one thing he do, he'll do. The backfield in Seattle, disaster. Very right weird. Um, I had hoped that Charbonnet would find his way to Cincinnati. That did not happen, yes, but we'll talk, about, we'll talk about Cincinnati and yep. where, where they went in a few minutes. Well, last question on Zach Charbonnet for you. The ball's at the three-yard line. Who's getting the carry? 
I think I think it's going to be Zach Charbonnet. I he, do too. He's a tackle built perfectly machine. for it, right? Yeah, he's you, you know he's top fifteen or even top ten in the nation last year, an elusive rating, and and certainly mm-hmm. he was in, in broken tackles for us. So I think it's going to be Charbonnet. Third round, the Saints went with Kendra Miller. Now, what's interesting about the Saints, you know, with Alvin Kamara's play has dropped off a lot last year, especially year before that, you know, and he's been used a a variety of different ways, never been really a goal line guy. And then all the legal trouble surrounding uh, Alvin Kamara as well. Here comes Kendra Miller. How quickly do you think he gets up to speed and is a factor in this offense? They're going to try to push him up there. They believe in Kendra Miller more than I do. I had him 147th on my big board. He wow. goes 71st. Okay. Yeah, it's like he has a well-rounded game, but he's not elite at anything. So, mm-hmm. like, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I guess the, some of those parts the Saints liked a little bit more than me. But, yeah, just because of the draft capital, he's going to get looks early on, and we'll see how it works out with Kamara and those other guys whatnot. But, yeah, I wasn't as big of a believer in the talent set. I, I was shocked that they didn't go with Spears or A-Chain or, you know, some of the other Tank Bigsby, who I, all, Roshan Johnson. I liked all those guys more than I like Kendry Miller. Totally so I was I was surprised by the selection there. I was the, the problem with Miller and Kamara is Jamal Williams is now in New Orleans, who had the all-time touchdown yeah. vulture season it, last right? year with the yes. Lions. So, yeah, I'm, it seems like a nice landing spot for Miller, but it's not as nice as it appears with uh, Williams there now. All right, Tennessee, a lot of people thought Tennessee would go running back at some point because we, you know, all the rumors of them trying to move Derrick Henry, and we know Henry is in what is probably the final quartile of his career. They ended up going stylistically pretty far from where Derrick Henry is with Tajay Spears. They sure did, yeah. Tajay Spears is one of my favorite players in this draft class. Yeah. He, he's a home run hitter, and he reminds me a lot of a guy, ironically, that went in the first round a couple years ago, Travis Etienne. Yeah. Their games are so similar. It's all about the burst, the acceleration, and then when they, they get out into space, it's like they sense the guys around them or whatever, mm-hmm. and they, they can they can you know both denote that, but also set them up with the one cut uh, change of direction and everything like that. Uh, a little bit surprised he fell to where he did, except with you give the context of his medicals. There were some teams that maybe uh, dinged him a little bit on their board because he has right. two, two knee injuries in the past. That's the one question with Tajay Spears. I don't know if you get the receiving utility with him as much um, as well. We did see at the senior bowl, he was better at that than we thought he would be just because Tulane didn't use him as that. Right. But he was shaking guys in the one-on-ones in the routes and showed soft hands as well. So maybe he can give them some, some receiving uh, utility there, but... But, yeah, I mean, what what he really brings your offense, it's that explosive element hitting the home runs. To go a little deeper in the medicals, two torn ACLs in the past at the Combine test revealed a full thickness cartilage loss and no ACL in his knee. That is a huge worry for me. Additionally, Spears has arthritis. Yes. (laughs) 22 years old. I I mean, Thor, you know, know, I, I, for me, I have a lot of concern about Spears like long-term dynasty value because I'm worried this could be a short career for him like, yeah. you know three four years later you know this this might be it yeah it could be I, I guess I'm on team no give this second contract to the running back so like right. for me so it never long, matters yeah as long as you get the utility out of him mm-hmm. during that rookie contract and one thing that behooved me about him was that last season he plays the entire season doesn't get hurt and got better and better and better as the season went along shredded USC in the bowl game shredded UCF in the AAC title game but yeah do I think he's gonna have a super long career in the NFL. No, it's not because of the skill. It's because of those knees. All right. So how quickly can Tajay Spears 
make an impact in the Tennessee offense in your mind with Derrick Henry still there and presumably the lead back? They will work him in situationally absolutely as a rookie. Like the talent is such with him as a runner that he has to be on the field situationally. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have to figure out some way to, to do that. And you can mitigate Henry, Henry's touches a little bit through that. Let's we, go to yeah. Sorry, real go. quick, would you some in deeper dynasty leagues? People will know Hassan Haskins, yeah. who the Titans drafted in the fourth round last year. Put some decent draft capital into him, but is this kill shot for Haskins? I think it's so. got to be. Yeah. It's got to be. Yeah. All right, I'm, I'm cutting him in our empire. I think, you, I think I you can. I think that's it for Haskins. Oh well. Let's go to Miami. Uh, where the player who gets into the best possible landing spot is. Devon A chain, and I think I yeah, pronounced that right. It's gonna be it's gonna be something to fight all for the rest of his career. So the Dolphins end up with the fastest running back in this draft. Yeah, faster than Tyreek Hill. Yeah, and and a guy that is totally in line with the McDaniel and the um, the San Francisco 49ers tree, right? Like right. those are just the running backs that they're attracted to. In in that sense of it, I I agree with that absolutely. Achain reminded me of Javed Best, you know, the kid who had come out of Cal- another first round guy way back in the day. Yeah, but it's the same sort of thing with with Achain. The thing that I like about him, typically we associate with those smaller sub threshold backs. He he weighed in was at 188 pounds at the combine. They're dancers, you know, they're they're mm-hmm. guys that want to dance around and make you miss. Achain is not at all like he wants to get on a straight line. He is an arrow pointed at the goal line every time he gets the ball. Yeah, so it, and that really stresses the defense because the angles start getting a race one by one if he has that straight line but yeah it'll be interesting to see how he gets uh mixed in with the other dolphins running backs but they will definitely be using him as a rookie we we, we know two chains of rapper i'm gonna call uh I'll chain one chain but he was going you know me i'm a best ball dj and i was drafting before the nfl draft he was going like 16th 17th round he's seen oh, a now, surge now, now. now he's, he's going eighth no, like 11th, but he could okay. go up higher. Yeah. You know, Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert are still there, but they're, ah. they're not much of a threat yeah, the, for the, one change. The only thing all. that you're, you're, you know, like as far as his di- or his fantasy utility goes is you have to mitigate Achain's touches. And if he's going to get any as a return guy, that needs to come out of the, the total allotment you're giving him. You have to protect that kid as far as his health goes, you mm-hmm. know, by mitigating that. But outside of that, it's a really good schematic fit. Can he catch well? He can catch okay, but like they didn't just use him a ton as a receiver at Texas A&M, so some of that is unknown. I loved Tank Bigsby, who was the next running too. back to go. Went to Jacksonville. That's a mediocre landing spot. Um, I don't. I do believe that all things considered, they'd like to have more of a two-headed attack. They weren't able to get that with James Robinson last year, so they just cut him. And it really, you know, the backfield really turned into a, a one-back situation with Etienne. But I think. Bigsby should have a role here, and I think it's this year. I, I really liked his game. I totally agree with that. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing that you don't get with him, it's the receiving utility. But Like, even when they tried him with that at Auburn, he wasn't good at that. But he was a very skilled runner, one of the more skilled yes. runners in this class, especially between the tackles. And last year, you know, people looking at his counting stats, they're going to discount him a little bit. You have to understand the context. Auburn's offensive line mm-hmm. last year stunk. Terrible. Their, their coaching staff was under fire. They eventually fired Brian Harson during the season. Yeah. And then the quarterback they were using, him with him couldn't throw. This kid named Robbie Ashford was just a good athlete, but like he couldn't throw. So defenses didn't have to be concerned about the pass game either. Tank Bigsby was this marked man behind a bad offensive line. He's still produced. He's got really good vision. He has really, really good contact balance, knows what he's doing, gets through those gaps, everything like that. As a short area grinder guy, for sure, you're going to see that right away. And you'll see eventually if he can become the, the bell cow. Uh, with ETM, you don't need that right away. But yeah, he's going to factor in immediately. 
Charge, you're going to have to get your Snoop Connor tattoo removed now. I know. It's a, <laughs> Snoop is dead, I think. I think, uh, I think it's over for Snoop. The, uh, what I love about Bigsby is you give that guy a little crease, and man, does he hit that little crease hard, and he's through it. And I'm like, wow. I, you know, I did not think you were going to get through there untouched, and th- yet there he is. 1,000%. Yeah, he, he, might, wow. he might lack the, tr- the track speed, but mm-hmm. he does not lack the, the ability to hit the gas, the acceleration there for a big back, and then obviously he converts that into power, runs through the arm tackles. A guy I believe you like a lot ended up with the Chicago Bears, Roshan Johnson yeah. from Texas. Talk to me about him and, and his fit in Chicago. Roshan Johnson would have gone higher if he had gone to any other college. You know, like he shows up at Texas as a quarterback. They ended up switching him to running back. Right. And then he stuck behind B. John Robinson his entire career. Tough. Uh, uh, he's a very good team. Like, you know, they'll rave about him as a teammate. You know, he also did the special teams and everything like that. But he's underrated as a runner just because we didn't get to see more reps of him doing that. His elusive rating you just look at the per carry elusive rating on him was extremely high the broken tackle thing he has athleticism too in the big package one of the cool things about watching his tape is guys will try to dive bomb his knees when he gets into the second and third levels he does that thing of jumping over him that we used to see Gronk do when they would do the same yeah. thing I, I really like his talent level we haven't seen him as much as a receiver yet because Bijan got all that work we do know that Roshan Johnson is a very good pass blocker they would also use him as a lead blocker sometimes in front of Bijan but you're getting that that running utility between the tackles, absolutely. You're also getting the pass pro, which you're going to keep him on the field. I expect him to be starting from day one in Chicago, and I think starting he, so ahead of Khalil Herbert. Yeah, oh, he's he going to dust Khalil Herbert. Wow. Yeah, he's going to leave right. him in the dust. And Deontay Foreman, Deontay, it's the same sort of skill set. It's just Deontay Foreman's not as good as Roshan Johnson is. Yeah, wow. Roshan and uh, A Chain, those two have seen the biggest spike in ADP post draft. And, and Roshan, it, you can actually redraft. give him all the touches. And one other cool thing about him that was underrated about his profile is he doesn't have that tread on the tires as some of these other kids because mm-hmm. of that situation. So you have a, a more fresh back as well. So the Jets end up with a frustrating landing spot to me, frustrating landing spot for Izzy Abanacanda. Is it Kanda yeah. or Kanda? Abanacanda. Abanacanda, yeah. uh, who a lot of people like. Uh, but the Jets, you've got Brees Hall coming back from the ACL, and then Michael Carter was a, whatever, fourth-round pick, fifth-round pick a couple of years ago. And, and he's, Zonovan he's looked Knight good. looked good yeah, last Zonovan year. Yeah, Zonovan Knight did look good last year. Yeah, I hated yeah, this right. landing so, spot for Izzy. Bad landing spot, it felt like to me. Very, but, very bad landing spot. Yeah, he... Abanacanda reminds me a lot of Tevin Coleman. It's the same sort of upright running style like a sprinter and mm-hmm. that home run speed. If he can just get that lane downfield, he could he could take it to the house every single time. thing you wonder about him, it's the rest of the stuff, the contact balance, different stuff like that, the fully fleshed out game. He he leaves Pitt after he had that one dominant season last year. But the, the speed is for real and that utility of, of hitting that crease and then getting forward is, is for real as well. I, I don't know how it's going to work out in that depth chart, but he he's got talent. It's kind of I view him. I view Izzy as being somebody you draft this year and you sit on and see how this thing shakes out in a year. I thought Brees Hall looked great, great yeah. when he was healthy. I just I don't I just don't know how this thing factors in unless if assuming Brees Hall comes back relatively early into the season and it's such a crowded backfield. I just don't know how. I don't see the I don't see the value in redraft and I don't see a yeah, lot of dynasty redraft. either. Yeah, uh, just, how many, just a late round flyer in the ladder for sure. Yeah. How many teams carry four running backs unless one's like a 
elite special teams yeah. return guy, and I don't think any of these guys are mm-hmm. <laughs> the Jets. Yeah, like one of them has to go. It almost seems like. I mentioned a few minutes ago I was excited for a potential landing spot of Zach Charbonnet with Cincinnati. Uh, that did not come to fruition, but eventually they did take a running back, uh, Chase Brown. This is not the guy I wanted to see in Cincinnati, but maybe you like him more than I do. What are your, what are your thoughts on Chase Brown with knowing Joe, Joe Mixon looked cooked last year? Yeah. I, and the opportunity could be here. I, I, I'm not a big fan of Chase Brown, but it's okay. funny. Like I, I had him rated lower than most people in the media, but I had him 156 on my board. He ends up going 163. Right. So the NFL sort of saw him like I did. He's a straight line guy that got most of his production at Illinois running into the second and third levels on breakaway yards. But like the thing, he doesn't make anybody miss and he yeah. doesn't play, break a lot of tackles either. So that's something that sort of has to be manufactured for him. He, that's he, not good. It, it, it's, it's like the same sort of utility like a guy like Raheem Moster. It's just he's not as athletic as he is. Chase Brown, the problem is going to be what you're describing right now. In the NFL, if you don't have some special trait that gets you out of tackles, you're dead. 1,000%. And he he doesn't catch the ball either. And he also gets ragged out when he's trying to do pass pro, so he's not playable (laughs) on third downs. It's literally just breakaway yards, which you can get more easily in the Big Ten than you can the NFL. So moral of that story is Chris Evans Maybe you're sneaky. Captain America. Late maybe. round running back. Yeah, who people were expecting things from last year, never got it because uh, Samaj P. Ryan stepped up big time, but he's gone. Um, I want to just talk about a couple of guys that in, are in landing spots that I think only have dynasty value. Eric Gray goes to the Giants. Of course, they've got Saquon Barkley on his uh, franchise tag. That So this could be his last year. Is there anything to any reason to think Eric Gray is going to pay dividends next year for the Giants? I could see him doing it. Yeah, like he has a he has that well rounded skill set that uh, Chase Brown lacks. Uh, mm-hmm. Eric Gray is a really good receiver. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he, he's on the smaller side and he's not an elite athlete, but he can make you miss. He's very slippery. Uh, again, another thing that Chase Brown lacks. I like him more than I like Chase Chase Brown, and we'll see how it goes with the Giants depth chart going forward. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if he factored into the back uh, backfield prominently. Dallas has a similar situation. Tony Pollard on his franchise deal. They drafted Deuce Vaughn in the sixth round. He was a very polarizing running back. I saw people that liked him enough to be like fourth round, fifth round. Other people like I wouldn't draft him, period. What were your, what's your take on Deuce Vaughn and a potential fit for Dallas, not necessarily this year, but going forward? I, I thought that Dallas was going to take a running back earlier in the draft. I did too. Yeah, yeah. like w- with the depth chart, what it was, I, and I don't know, they were deferring to some of these other positions. They, they made some wonky decisions during the draft. They needed the tight end too. They waited, and I think they took Schoonmaker in terms of that. But like Deuce Vaughn, this is a really good landing spot for him. And obviously you have his father is working for yes. the team as well, so you have that thing. But to me, Is that good or bad? Well, maybe it's good for his job security. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it'll make the cut. He's a scout, though, right? It's not like he's going to be hanging over his shoulder all day. It's not like he's an offensive coach no, it's or anything true. like yeah. that. Yeah. But, but for those who don't know, Deuce Vaughn, little guy, like 5'6". Very, very little 175. guy. 175. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, into the combine, 5'5", 179. Yeah, but five, like... 5'5". Five. 5'5". Five, five, like, <laughs> very small. And he came out of Kansas State, the same school that produced Darren Sproul. So that's he, right. He, he got some of those comps, but that, that's a little above his import. I think it's probably more a accurate lot. to say Tara Cohen yeah. for him. Yeah, and I think he'll probably be used that way. And I think he'll get on the field as a rookie just situationally but you're not going to give him a ton of touches right out the bat. No, I don't see Deuce Vaughn being even, you know, he, you'll notice I did not say he was a Zeke replacement because stylistically yes. they're nothing alike. And he, this is the kind of player that very rarely is a fantasy factor. Yeah. yeah. Last, uh, last guy I'm going to mention, last running back I'm going to mention, 
the Vikings in the seventh round took Dwayne McBride, who I liked better than as a seventh rounder, and we know that Dalvin Cook is on super thin ice here with the Vikings and not expected to ultimately start the season with the team. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm of the opinion that there's an opportunity for McBride to get real carries this year. Well, yes, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, because you're looking at the post-Delvin world, and it's it's Alex Madison and Ty Chandler, and you put McBride's skill set in there. I think there's a shot there that McBride is the best early down uh, bell cow guy. Or not bell cow, but like early down yeah. grinder guy. Yeah. Uh, he certainly doesn't bring the receiving. The, the hands are the question there. UAB never used him as a wide receiver or, mm-hmm. you know, as a receiving option. He also fumbled a little bit. You know, his, his fumble rate is a little bit excessive. Yeah. But if he can cut that down, all the skills as a runner are going to play. He runs fearless he runs with power he can make people miss and like when when guys are on the doorstep of him he can change their angle so instead of it being a flush hit it becomes an off angle one he runs that through helps. all the arm ta- tackles you look at the pff the last uh, over their nine-year charting history there was only three guys that are or two guys ahead of him in terms of missed force tackle rate uh missed over there force tackle rate yes, yes. which are Bijan robinson and javante williams uh Dwayne pretty good is number three all time on wow. that for the pff the last nine years in college football wow yeah. To, uh, now, to round out running backs, say we're assuming Dalvin Cook leaves the Vikings charge. Do you envision the Vikings being candidates, a candidate to sign like a Kareem Hunt, Leonard Fournette? No, not Ezekiel with not, not with McBride. Um, and part of it is much? part of it is they 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 legitimately like Ty Chandler, even though yeah. he was inactive most of last year. They 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 like that kid a lot. So I really do think they're three deep at receiver or running back now. With Dwayne McBride, so sure. I, I don't think I don't think they're going to add anybody. All right, uh, all right. Let's take a break. When we come back, let's talk through the notable wide receivers and tight ends that were in day two and beyond of the NFL draft. At Bed Three Six Five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome back, Fantasy Football Weekly. Paul Cherichi and Brian Johnson and special guest Thor Nystrom with us breaking down the round two through seven players that you need to care about. The rookies from the draft. We're not doing every single skill position rookie, but we're doing the guys we think are worthy of mention. We've done the running backs. We've done the quarterbacks. Let's talk wide receiver. The first receiver taken in the second round, which was a bit of a surprise to me, was Jonathan Mingo going to the Panthers. What do you think? Yeah, Jonathan Mingo tested better, than, more athletically, than he acquits himself on the field, in my opinion. He doesn't move his, uh, around as well as his athletic profile showed. He, he is an okay route runner, though, just in terms of the mechanics of it. He, he impressed me with that at the senior ball. I knew yeah. he was going to rise between the frame, between the athletic profile, and then between how bad this wide receiver <laughs> class was. Right. But I, his play on the field just did not justify the slot that he 
opportunity was taken him, but he's going to see the field early because of it. What do you think of the landing spot in Carolina, Brian? There's not a lot of competition there. Thielen's on, you know, what is probably you know the last year or two of his career, and then Terrace Marshall, DJ yeah, Chark, DJ Chark. It doesn't bode well for Terrace Marshall. I think any dwindling hopes people were holding on to for him to yeah. be fantasy relevant. Uh, Scott Fish is one of the. He was our biggest Terrace Marshall supporter, but uh, yeah, it, it it could be worse. It could be a worse landing spot for Mingo. Like you guys, I was kind of shocked. Um, that he was, what would this make him counting the first round, the fourth wide receiver, fifth wide yes. receiver? Yep. Yep. He was well outside the top 10 wide receivers being taken on a, you know, a redraft, from a redraft standpoint before the draft. So a little bit of a shocker, but he, like Thor mentioned, just, he, he's built like a, he's a, he's like a DK Metcalf type. Yeah. Well, uh, he, he reminded me of Chase Claypool a little bit. Yeah. You know, another, where, another freak, freak monster athlete. Exactly. Yeah. And if he hits his ceiling, that's what it'll be. But yeah, I, it was just a little bit above his import for me where he got taken at 39. Green Bay could have had their pick of every receiver in this draft when they went at 15. Uh, no, actually they traded at what, 13? I don't know. Wherever they ended up, middle of the first round. Uh, they chose to pass on the position and then in the second round, pick 50. They went with Jaden Reed from Michigan State. I did not see them going here either, but that's the selection they made. What do you think about Jaden Reed's game and his potential to crack a thin wide receiver roster in Green Bay? Yeah, I can't believe that uh, Jaden Reed is a top 50 pick. It's it. That's a function of the wide receiver class as much mm-hmm. as anything. This wide receiver class fell off a shelf after those top four guys, and the, the, Bill Simmons has this concept of press box hot. I think Jaden Reed is the press box hot of this wide receiver class. I don't it, know what that means. What it, is press box hot, Thor? It, it's someone who looks more attractive because there's a dearth of options, and in, mm. in this wide receiver class, because there wasn't any options once you get past those top four that are super-duper attractive guys start to look attractive when when again in a regular class they just would have been looked at as a day three afterthought yeah that's what I thought about with Jaden Reed he's under six feet he's under 190 pounds he is not an elite athlete I I like his competitiveness at the catch point he he has made plays down the field and everything like that and you do give him the benefit of the doubt that Michigan State had a poor poor quarterback play last couple years and stuff like that but yeah he would not have been the guy that I would have chosen to develop there with the 50th pick I had never heard of Jaden Reed before the draft. He was not getting drafted in any best ball drafts I was doing. Jeez. And but now he, yeah, he, now he like is. you mentioned, yeah. it's a it's a pretty good landing spot in Green Bay. You're competing with uh, Christian Watson and Romeo Dubs, and that's about it. Um, I wish it was Dubs. It's Dobbs. Oh, yeah, I've been right, I've been made that mistake a million times because I want it to be Dubs because Dubs is way cooler than Dobbs. For I'm sure. sure it is. Uh, do you believe Jaden Reed has any impact in year one? I mean, I, I yeah, I think they're probably going to try to start him in year one, but do mm-hmm. I think he's going to be a stud? No. Like, their second-round pick from last year, at least he has the potential, right? Like, right. he had the athletic profile. You've seen it all in his college film at NDSU, Christian Watson. But Jaden Reed, I do think they're going to force him onto the field, and also because of how bad their receiving core is. But, yeah, I'm not super bullish on him having a huge impact. The next receiver to go was to the Kansas City Chiefs at pick 55. Is it Rashi? Or Rashi. Rashi is Rashi how, Rice. How I say it. All right. Well, then we're going to go with that yeah, as, as correct. That. Nobody will get mad at me. Yeah. Uh, well, the Rice family might. Maybe they listen. I don't know. Uh, Rashi 
Rashi? Yeah. Do we said Rashi? Rashi Rice. Tell me about his game. Yeah, well, right from the start at SMU, they were pounding that kid with targets. He had mm-hmm. nearly 400 receptions over his career at SMU. Dang. He's won both in the slot and outside, and he's mm-hmm. won at all three sectors of the field. I, I think what the Chiefs, and, and they mentioned this in some of their, their comments after the draft, one of the things that they really like about his, his game is the ability to go downfield. He's only six foot and a half, I believe, is what he measured at 204, but he has really long arms. He has arms more like a six five guy mm. and he also has the Jeez. vertical leap and he has ball skills down the field too he one of those guys who doesn't get affected when a db is trying to go through his back like for some receivers that's just the end of rep like on, on a catch down field yeah but it doesn't affect rasheed rice at all um some some teams were reportedly concerned about his work ethic different stuff like that the chiefs obviously were not they were very aggressive with him i like rasheed rice's ability and potential more on the field by quite a bit than Jaden reed all right the well, question yeah. with any receiver on Kansas City is can they stand out on that team? We all know Travis Kelsey is essentially their number one wide receiver, but then you got Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Kadarius Toney, Sky Moore, Richie James, Justin yep. Watson, who they like, Justin Ross, who didn't play last year, but he's looking like he'll play this year. Mm-hmm. Would have been a top five wide receiver yep. last year if not for uh, the neck injury. If not for the injury, I mean, yeah. that is and John Ross, by yeah. the way. And he got John two Rosses. And yeah. then, uh, Amir Smith Marset, even former Viking, but he's not nothing to get too excited about. But no. he's got a lot of uh, people to compete with uh, for targets here. Yeah, he, he does, but also there's no like elite guys, right? Like so, so he could very quickly push his way to the top there. And as far as a perimeter option there and does stuff that they like, and, and Mahomes obviously can get the ball downfield, I, I do think we're going to see him early on the field. Nicole Hardman was a such a tantalizing talent, and he had some real game breaking ability. But he could never he could never become a, a reliable receiver in a team that desperately needed one. Correct. And yeah. I, I so I just don't think the landing spot for any receiver in Kansas City, as great as it sounds and as open as this opportunity is for Rashi Rice, Rashi Rice, Rashi, Rashi yeah. Rice, yeah. It doesn't automatically mean that he's going to take advantage of no, it. No, it, it definitely doesn't. But he has the ball skills, for instance, that Miko Hardman lacks. Mm-hmm. But, you know, obviously we've seen last year they took Sky Moore in the Sky Moore had round. ball skills. He did, yeah. And he could win on both the inside and the outside, and they didn't trust him initially no. early on. So we'll see if Rashi Rice can, can win that trust from the coaching staff in camp. All right, I got a couple others for you, wide receiver. Marvin Mims uh, yeah. to the Denver Broncos. What's your take on Mims? No relation to Denzel, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> Career over so. Denzel Mims. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I I love Marvin Mims. Marvin Marvin Mims was my fifth receiver. I mm. had like I had him, you know, forty eighth. So I had yeah. him around where you know on my board where Jaden Reed it ended up going. Mm. Marvin Mims. First off, he is the all time leader in Texas high school football history in receiving yards Jeez. to this day. He, then he goes to Oklahoma and was awesome as a true freshman. The last two years, his game was a little bit down on the surface. But you keep in mind the context there. Twenty twenty one, Spencer Rattler. Goes into a tank, yeah. into the tank at the beginning of the season. Then, then Lincoln Riley had his foot out the door. The rest of it wasn't a, the best offensive environment there. Then Lincoln Riley leaves for USC. Last season, they bring in Brent Venables. Their offense was a train wreck. But Marvin Mins, so he's a smaller kid, uh, comes in uh, 5'11 and a quarter, 183. But he won on the outside throughout his career at Oklahoma. He's also played in the slot, so you can do either one of those. But Marvin Mins, for being a smaller receiver, is a fabulous downfield receiver. The ball tracking, the ball skills.
sails downfield. His highlight reel of his best catches in college is the best in this entire receiver class. Wow. He makes absolute circus catches and, and the downfield utility. Every single season he was on campus, all three years, 35% or more of his targets came 20-plus yards downfield. I really like that pick for Denver, and I expect him to be starting next year. Cortland Sutton was rumored to be on the trading block before this pick. And Jerry Judy. They both kind of been on the yeah, trading block. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I think I think Judy's way, way, way better. I think they're gonna hold Judy. I think Sutton could be moved and that would open up a spot for Mims. Who needs one? Tim Patrick's there too. And Tim Patrick's proven himself to be a pretty good player. Coming coming off major knee injury. That's though, a fair point. That fair was point. he will be a year removed from that when the season starts because that was a preseason injury. But yeah, it's a good spot. It, it could have been a better better spot for Mims like Kansas City, but uh right. Denver yeah. Denver not too bad. Uh, Houston is uh, my favorite rebuilding team, and I've really kind of emotionally backed the Texans right now. What do you think of the selection in the third round of Nathaniel Tank Dell for the Texans? I like it. I like it. I'm just the only thing with that is is so Tank Dell obviously has to be a slot receiver. He's teeny tiny. Right. You know, it's 160 pounds or so. Yep. I love him as a slot. Nobody could cover him one-on-one at the senior ball, which wasn't a surprise at all. Those, right. those drills are tilted towards the offense, and nobody in college could cover Tank Dell. And by the way, it wasn't just like in the G5. Every single Power 5 team that Houston played the last couple years, Tank Dell cooked them. And then when they faced Cincinnati, the playoff Cincinnati team where they mm-hmm. had Sauce Gardner, the two NFL safeties, Kobe Bryant on the other side of quarterback, yeah. Yeah. Tank Dell cooked them too. Tank Dell cooks everybody. But he has to be a slot receiver in the NFL because of that frame. Then you look at... Houston's roster they'd taken John Menchie the year before who obviously missed last season but to me he was a slot receiver so are you looking now at John Menchie mm-hmm. as an outside receiver mm-hmm. and then later on Houston takes a big manufactured touch slot in Xavier Hutchinson who that's all he's ever done is just they manufactured what, what he did at Iowa State yeah. manufactured touches for him close to the line and let him, let him run after that so I don't know what they're doing on the boundary there but yeah Tank Dell should be starting in an NFL slot next year and hopefully that is open for him and he was yeah. And, the, and the two main uh, people that he'll be competing with for targets, uh, starters, Robert Woods, very well washed at this point. Yeah, oh, done. And, 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 uh, done. Got a fork sticking out of his mouth. Yes. Nico Collins, good, not great. The, the other so, contextual thing I would say, in, in tank, like if Tank Dell can win that starting slot job in year one, C.J. Stroud threw the ball a metric ton to the slot at Ohio State. Yeah, that, yeah, JSN. that helps. So he'll be looking for, for Tank Dell. Is Tank Dell's game closer to Rondell Moore or you've got a comp of Hollywood Brown yeah. where what do you think it's more it, those two are not very stylish no it, it's more the latter because Rondell Moore he, or he's super uh, explosive but he's another one of those manufactured touch guys yeah right like and and we just don't know if he can win down the field whatnot but like well, no we know he can't well, yeah, Rondell that's, Moore that's can't right. win down the field I was trying to give him the benefit <laughs> of yeah. but like you know in 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 this case like Tank Dell he wanted all three sectors of the field every mm-hmm. single year he was at Houston, like I think two of the three years he was at Houston, he had PFF grades at every all three sectors of 90 or above, which is really good. And that's why I railed against the idea of like he was 2 2 Atwell or something like that. 2 2 Atwell at Louisville, it was just the manufactured touches short or else send him, send him on a fly route. Uh, Tank Dell can actually run routes and he shakes people every single time. I'm going to hit two more receivers next. Jalen Hyatt was expected to go higher than this, and I didn't love him as like an early second round pick, which were, where many people had him placed, but he drops to like, I don't know, mid-third round, and he ends up with the Giants, which gives him a lot of opportunity. What are your thoughts on Jalen Hyatt? Yeah, it, really good landing spot for him. The Giants were a team that were thinking about the receiver in round one, then they watched the four go right, <laughs> right above him. Right. And then in round two, the, the uh, one of the guys they were considering in round 
filled one. John Michael Schmitz, who filled this um, uh, enormous hole there as well, perfect was a, spot for was them. available. It, w- it was a perfect spot for him. So because of that, they weren't able to pick the receiver earlier on, even though they had a desperate need there. They take Jalen Hyde here. Jalen Hyde is a one year wonder, one trick pony, but the trick is pretty cool. He can win downfield. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see him in the NFL, where Josh Heupel was able to move him around the formation, get him into advantageous matchups. Like for instance, when they were playing Alabama, Jalen Hyde got matched up on DeMarco Helms a whole bunch and DeMarco yeah. Helms is a strong safety like basically an extra linebacker but like he got isolated into coverage against Jalen Hyde Jaylen, that's a bad combo right there <laughs> yeah. Jalen Hyde had the 10 yard head start to get to him and right. it was just like bye bye so like but in the NFL he's actually going to have to beat people off of the line they might press him which mm-hmm. never happened to him at Tennessee but again you do have that downfield utility just some of those other things he has to prove but he has a clear shot a clear path to playing time immediately in that receiving core you think so uh, well, I mean, who else they got there? Well, they got like five other slot receivers is the problem. Yeah, yeah. Not, he, none of them are that great, but, you know, Paris Campbell, Wandale Robinson, Jameson Crowder, Sterling Shepard. It they, just makes me do, love Darren Waller even more. They, right? they, and, they uh, do, yeah, they're kind of like the Texans. They both have more slots than a casino. But, like, <laughs> but, you know, as far as high, like, yeah, I mean, like, you probably do have to play him in the slot, but he is the, the pop, the top fella there. I want to talk about uh, one more wide receiver. We're already at what our longest offseason show of the year, but it was there's a loaded so many guys class. to talk to. Uh, Josh Downs, just yeah. because what I what I loved about Josh Downs, despite the relatively small stature, dude's got the it factor. I mean, he yeah. wants to. He's just a battler, going for balls. He's fearless. I liked Josh Downs a lot, and I was a little surprised that he fell to the third, mid third round in the Indianapolis Colts. I'm totally with you, Charge. I I love Josh Downs' game. Like, the, you know, he, he gets the the price point deflated because he's not a boundary receiver. Mm-hmm. He's just a slot. He's just going to be a slot in the NFL. But we know he's going to be a good one, and immediately. Like, the last couple of years, UNC didn't really have any other skill guys. They were just pounding targets to Josh yes. Downs. He converted all those. He's extremely efficient. His hands are really good. Take a look at the drop rate. Take a look at the tape. The other thing I really like about him in terms of that, you're working in an NFL slot you're going to be moving around a lot of garbage stuff like that picking through traffic whatnot you're going to have to catch the ball around other guys josh downs's contested catch rate in college was awesome just in a vacuum but particularly for a receiver that's 5'9 171 yeah he's going to shove Isaiah mckenzie and whoever they got out of there right away he will be their starting slot on day one he will yeah. uh, paris campbell gone that opens up it opens up another isaiah isaiah mckenzie is who he'll be competing against in the slot and he should beat him out and downs was a guy who was going as the sixth, seventh rookie wide receiver yeah. in three draft drafts. And I, I drafted a ton of them. People are down on them now because of the draft capital, but I, I'm averaging down in terms of like, I'll, I'm, I'm still buying yeah, at a lower totally. price. I love, I love Josh. I Dallas. would too. I'm yeah. with you. Uh, obviously, Anthony Richardson will be throwing him passes. Uh, and hopefully, maybe this year, maybe next year, we'll find out more how that'll work out with time. Thor Nystrom is our guest. Uh, what is your title? Do you have a title? NFL draft analyst. And college football analyst. College yeah. football yeah. analyst for uh, fantasy pros. The, the and God others. of Thunder, too. Is that, <laughs> oh, is that I, like, I like it. I want to talk about five tight ends. Beginning, yeah. and again, the, the one first rounders off the board, uh, Dalton Kincaid was not the uh, was was the first player taken. We talked about him last week. Let's Who go Thor to the second pegged, round. by the way, even more reason Loved to follow Dalton. him. Did you? He All was right. getting plus odds, and Thor said he will be the first, first tight end taken. taken. Oh, I like lo it. Lo and behold. Attaboy. Yeah. Uh, the Lions end up going tight end early in round two, a position of great need for them after they let TJ Hutch, uh, Hawkinson go. Yeah. And by the way, they still threw to their tight ends. You know, yeah. the anonymous tight end, they still involved those guys. But they ended up going with Sam Laporta from Iowa, who was 
shockingly productive in an offense that couldn't do anything, yes. basically, that didn't involve Sam Laporta. Yes, yeah. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, like you mentioned, I mean, just about as bad of an offensive environment as you can come from. Last year, Iowa was 130th out of 131 <laughs> FBS teams in scoring. They were terrible. Four players had, individual players in the FBS had more offensive touchdowns than the Iowa <laughs> offense did last season. That's amazing. So it's kind of crazy. And But the even crazier thing is, if Iowa didn't have Sam Laporta, they would have been the worst FBS offense in the history of FBS football. <laughs> like, they would make manufacture all these touches to Sam Laporta and then just watch Sam Laporta break tackles. Last year, he had 24 missed tackles, which was wow. the, the top five all-time individual season during the PFF charting era of that nine years, like I mentioned before. And then also a first down and touchdown monster, even on that terrible team. Two-thirds of his catches the last two years went for either a first down or a touchdown. Mm-hmm. The agility and the strength is what stands out about him in conjunction with each other. He's super agile along the route pass, so that's how he opens up the, the throwing windows for the quarterback and then when he gets the ball in his hands that's what makes him so good after the catch he's a yeah god for a tight end and yeah he's going to be productive as a rookie for detroit pretty it, pretty good track record for iowa producing tight ends yeah, well. no kidding dallas they clark yeah no George offense Kittle, yeah, no offense yeah, tj hawkinson yeah, now yeah, sam they know LaPorta. what they're doing there uh in a different year sam laporta would have been a first rounder yeah he yeah. could have been yeah in a different offense for sure yeah well that too right yeah, yeah. like he would have acquitted yes. himself better for sure so yeah. i agree with that uh, let's go to the guy that everybody thought, you know, all the, most of the mock drafts had Michael Mayer going as the first overall tight end in this draft. And in the first round, many had him peg going to Dallas. You didn't. Uh, he ends up with the Raiders as the Darren Waller replacement. Talk to me about Michael Mayer. Yeah, the the reason the NFL sort of de- uh, deflated his value just a little bit is because he doesn't give you the receiving utility of the other two guys. He can't mm-hmm. go downfield and get it like Dalton Kincaid does. He doesn't create the separation like Dalton Kincaid does. And he doesn't have the run after the catch that uh, Sam Laporte does. Yeah. But what he has on both those guys is Michael Mayer is a true inline tight end who blocks his butt off and is really good at that. Yes. And as a receiver, the thing you get from him, it's he catches the ball out to the intermediate area without creating the separation but his special sauce is contested situations and he's even talked about this in the media of like how he doesn't even care like he actually wants to field the the guy along his route because he wants to pin him to his back and and last year in Notre Dame they didn't have any other offensive skill guys their starting quarterback gets injured right away they have this noodle arm scrambler that comes in Drew Pine to be the quarterback for the rest of the season they forced a bunch of touches to to Michael Mayer Mm -hmm. and the defense knew it was coming he got double teamed he'd still come down with the catch Packers needed a tight end badly, and they go to Luke Musgrave in the early second round. He's got an opportunity to walk right into that starting job. Yeah, he he does. It's funny when the Packers made that pick. I was like, you dopes, there's a better receiving tight end that's on the board right now. And then they took him around later. I think Tucker Kraft ends up having a better career for the Packers than okay. Luke, Luke, Luke Musgrave does. But Musgrave, he is a really interesting thought experiment. He barely, you know, I think he had 13 college starts or something like that. That's it. L- last year was supposed to be his breakout season. But after two games, he ends up getting hurt for the rest of the year. We don't get to see him whatnot. He did play really well in those first two games. The thing you like most about him, it's the athletic profile in that frame. He has shown to have an aptitude to go downfield and get it as well, but he's not good in the intermediate range, mostly because he doesn't have the agility. With him, it's all the straight line explosion. So he just doesn't have any nuance with with the route running, stuff like that. He's not going to create the separation. He also doesn't break tackles. I told you guys last year, Sam Laporte had 20 by himself in one season. Luke Musgrave over his entire career had two. That's it. Yeah, that's it. It, It reminds me of how when the 
the Ravens drafted Hayden Hurst and then took Mark Andrews a few <laughs> rounds later. <laughs> right. They took right. the much better tight yeah, ends a few rounds yeah, later. But that's going to be getting it right. If, yeah. I'm, if I'm pairing, if I'm looking to pair a cheap tight end with a Jordan Love in a best ball stack, I like Tucker Craft more than uh, Musgrave. Just All right, like well, let's just go right to Tucker. I'm going to skip to Tucker Craft. Yeah, okay, it. let's do it. Let's go to Tucker Craft. Well. Uh, the Packers also end up taking him. He is the farm boy from Minnesota that ended up playing at South Dakota State. He was uh, highly productive there. Talk to me about Tucker Craft as, as the other option. Yeah, a 6'5 kid, 254, and he has a 97th percentile size adjusted athletic score You know, d- during the pre-draft process, and he was dominant at the FCS level too. Yes. O- only thing you're disappointed about was pr- last offseason around this time, a whole bunch of FBS programs were going to offer him a bag to go and, and transfer there yes. or whatever with NIL money. He wanted to stick it out and finish things with his teammates. You would have liked to have seen him for one year yeah, in the FBS. Right. He's proven that concept. Because the only nitpick you can make about like him on film is he was so dominant and, and, and had such an athleticism <laughs> advantage over right. everybody. Like a lot of his catches, he already just blew by the guy. And then he would just be in open space, and then he'd just be trucking down the field whatnot. You, you wanted to see him against better athletes, and then you know, like the route running sort of nuance with that. Yes. You didn't get to see that quite as much. But, I mean, the receiving skill was all there on tape. The, the athletic profile speaks for itself. I do think he's going to be better than Musgrave in the NFL. All right, you're going to draft one of the two Packer rookie tight ends for your dynasty team. Mm -hmm. Is it Luke Musgrave or is it Tucker Craft? For me, Tucker Craft, easy. Same. Yeah. And you're going to get him cheaper because people just look at the draft draft equity. Right. Yep. I'm I'm on Tucker Craft's game. I think he's got way more upside. You know, just that position's really hard to get fantasy producers out of t- out of your tight end position. For but sure. Tucker Craft has the upside to be a top five fantasy tight end in three years. Yeah, I don't. Th- I just don't see it when I watch Luke Musgrave. I yeah, I don't either. And a lot of this stuff with Musgrave, it's you know, you would say it's projection, but really it's just a leap of faith because you just never seen it before. So right. he has to, Musgrave has to stay on the field. He's also got the durability issue. So we'll see how it goes with him. I didn't spend a lot of time on Luke Schoonmaker. Oh yeah, um, who ends up being the Dallas Cowboys tight end when everybody thought it'd be Dalton Kincaid or some or you know Michael Mayer. I don't know that much about his game. What? Who? Tell me about Luke Schoonmaker. Yeah. I can tell you he's old as hell, <laughs> right? Like twenty six years old almost, or he's about to turn twenty five. Yeah. So he goes to Michigan. Another another tight end factory. And the thing you like about him, he plays in line. He he's in line size. You know, six five two fifty one, and he blocks. And he's he's a good blocker. Yeah. But like he goes. I mean, he opened people's eyes by going into the pre draft process. Ninety eighth percentile size adjusted athleticism. You didn't get to see that as much at Michigan because they just never used him as a receiver. Yeah. So it's like was Michigan who has a really smart coaching staff where they misuse him by not using him more as a receiver Mm -hmm. or is he just not good at that we only got limited looks there you know the other stuff speaks for itself you know you have the athleticism thing but it seems like uh, Dallas is sort of you know a hope and a prayer as far as the rest of it goes because they missed out on some of those better tight ends or or they reached for Schoonmaker over some of those guys it's funny my comp on Schoonmaker was Dalton Schultz who's the reason that he was taken because he walked out the door but like you know as far as for fantasy people I, it's just a total unknown, that receiving utility. So even though I do think he's going to play early, I just don't know how that's going to project. A really disappointing landing spot for the final tight end I want to talk about. Darnell Washington, the big yeah. O, as they called him at Georgia. I loved the potential upside of Darnell Washington as a freaking beast. He's 6'7", or 6 foot, I think he's six foot seven, 270 pounds. But the, with the with the ball in his hands, Darnell Washington, 
is just shredding dudes. He's nimble. He's got catch radius. I'm like, wow. It took me a while to figure out why he didn't get more balls at Georgia until I found out how good Brock Bowers is and how he's going to be like a top five player next year. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about Darnell Washington. Tough landing spot with the Steelers. Yeah, it, it sure is. And obviously, they they have an intention to go to more 12 personnel and whatnot. But yeah, you're behind Fryermuth as far as the first <laughs> receiving tight end. And yes. that's certainly what happened to him at Georgia when he was stuck behind uh, Brock Bowers, who's going to be the first tight end taken off the board in the next draft. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, like if, if you're going to look at Darnell Washington and Glass half full as a receiver, it's, oh, you know, he didn't get that the extra, extra utility because Brock Bowers is on the roster. Eric Gilbert was active for a little bit as, as well. Who He was the number one tight end in his class. Yep. But Darnell Washington, he's one of the better blocking tight ends who's come out in like the last decade. In fact, when he was coming out as a recruit, there was a whole bunch of blue bloods that wanted him as an offensive tackle to bulk him up. I bet. He played games in college at over 280 pounds. I think he's you know, the 264. That was like him on a diet going no into kidding. the draft process. No kidding. But he's going to be playing games around that in the NFL. The receiving utilities, it's the one thing that we just don't know. He put on a show during the pre-draft process but in college, he only caught two balls that traveled more than 20 yards in the air. Uh, he, had, Despite that, having a lower A dot, he had a drop rate over 10%. So it's like, you know, if he's going to be the intermediate safety blanket guy, he can't be dropping that many uh, passes, mm-hmm. whatnot. But, like, th- there just weren't looks manufactured for him at Georgia. He was always the, you know, the third, fourth option on a play or whatever. In the NFL, can he prove any more with that? We'll, we'll see. Yeah. But the blocking speaks for itself. It's what's going to get him onto the field. Yeah, it is. He I had some medicals, too, right? That's he, he did, have, he did have some medical issues. He had two different foot injuries last yep. year, and some teams were concerned about that potentially being a recurring thing. Yep, uh, reasonable. Darnell Washington, though, a freaky upside. If the receiving comes together, you've got Gronkonian stature in Darnell Washington. If it turns out he can be a reliable receiver, and it's you know now now it's I'm I'm going to go all Jelani Woods on myself. Yeah, it would have been a, yeah. a a very sexy pick for the Jaguars if they took Washington. If they took a tight end, Brenton Strange. We're not going to talk about because I don't even know if he's a real person. <laughs> I know you you know all about him. I'm sure Thor, but uh, that would have been a, a fun pick for ja- Jacksonville. They took a Washington pick. there. No, no, another no guy. A strange pick. I, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. I see what yeah. you did. Yeah. There. Yeah. Very nice, uh, Thor. Thanks for all your contributions to the show. I mean, perfect guy to have on right now. We're blessed to have you in the Twin Cities. We can just bring you into my kitchen. Hey, appreciate you guys. Yeah, Good to be fantastic. Here. Good Lots of fun, and I hope this has been a valuable exercise, especially for those in dynasty leagues who are doing deeper dives on the players after round number one. Uh, we'll be back next week, and we've also got all the Fantasy Football Weekly micro editions. Um, this we're going to put this. You've heard, you're hearing this now. You will already probably know this. We're going to drop this a little earlier than our usual Fridays for the big shows, just because it's so topical, right? It's yeah. the draft. Everybody's still buzzing from the draft from the weekend, so we'll drop this one a little bit earlier. Uh, but you'll get to a fresh Fantasy Football Weekly micro edition Mondays through Thursdays, and then the uh, the big shows on Fridays as well. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you shortly. Fantasy Football Weekly is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Live Nation presents Concert Week. 
Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.